So we're in this series called Things You Didn't Expect to Hear from Your Pastor, and I'm making statements that initially feel wrong coming from a pastor um, in the context of the church world, and um, the goal, the aim of this series is to clarify our mission as a church to help you, to help me, to remind us who we are as a church and why we exist and how we're unique from some other churches um, and how God's called us to be who we are for a reason. And so my hope and goal through this series is just to encourage and explain and uh, make certain who we are so that people understand what God wants to do in us and through us. And, And hopefully it's been an encouragement. So before we jump into today's statement, let me jump back and review. And I'm going to do a uh, a good bit of reviewing here just so that we can get on the same page because it's important for us to know where we're going. Um, the first week, uh, I made this statement that our church is not trying to reach everyone because we're passionate about reaching anyone. And so our goal isn't that everyone in the world loves our church. Uh, I feel like in order for us to do that, we would have to uh, appease the masses and change who we are. But we're fixed and focused on trying to reach anybody, which means uh, it doesn't matter what a person's background is, what their race is, what their financial status is. We think that anybody can come to know Christ. And that's what we want to be as a church uh, that welcomes anybody. Um, And then last week, um, we said that Uh, Our church is driven by the numbers because every number represents a life. You know, you may have heard, if you weren't here last week, you may have heard that uh, churches all are about the numbers and they just want to brag about how many people come to their church and uh, this and that. And and if you've had bad experiences with large churches, I apologize. I hate that that's happened to you. Uh, But sometimes it feels like you're uh, you get lost in the crowd at large churches. And and I just kind of last week laid on the table, we want to be a large church. And we want to be a large church, not so that we can brag about it uh, or poke our chest out and and say that we're better than certain other churches in town, but because we believe the more people that we reach for Christ, uh, the more we're fulfilling what God's called us to do. And so we have huge dreams as a church. Um, And then last week, I also introduced uh, what we're calling X2. And so if you weren't here, I want to take a a few moments and review that with you because X2 um, is a growth initiative that our church is jumping into in August where we are specifically um, praying towards, serving towards, working towards, doubling the size of our church in the course of a year. So starting August 3rd, uh, we're, we're initiating X2, where our goal is to double the size of our church in a year. And let me kind of give you the eight specific goals that we set and reminded ourselves of last week. Um, uh, first of all, 225 was the number of people that we said in a year we want to average as a church in attendance, uh, from, from children through adults. Um, that would double the size of our church, and we just imagine what would our church look like in a year if there were double the people here and how exciting that would be. Um, 75 was the number of uh, volunteers that serve on Team Synergy each Sunday. Uh, You see a lot of blue t-shirts when you come to our church, and we want people to see even more blue t-shirts because we believe that um, it's important for people to serve so that we can better serve our guests. Uh, We said 4,000. That was the number of dollars that we are setting a goal that we would take in each week here at Synergy, whether it's through online giving or through the worship experience giving. Uh, that that would double the resources and we reminded ourselves that we can do as much ministry as we have money. And so um, if that kind of makes you um, feel crazy, go back and listen to the message. Um, 100 was the number of salvations that we're specifically praying and serving towards that over the course of the next year, our goal is that we would see 100 people come to know Jesus personally. 
And uh, so that would double what we saw this, this past year. Um, then we said 50 was the number of baptisms uh, that we want to see people water baptized, that we would water baptize 50 individuals uh, who go publicly forward saying that they've accepted Christ as Savior as a next step uh, in their obedience to Christ after salvation. And so uh, that's kind of a goal that we've set. Um, and then 100 was the number of individuals, adults, that we wanted to see involved and engaged in small groups here at Synergy. That we believe as the church gets larger, it's important for, us, for it to stay small. Uh, that we are connected in relationships with people. And so we want people to embrace relationships. That's where life change happens best. Encourage one another. They have a place to belong and care uh, and be cared for. And so we want to see 100 adults over the next year engage in small groups. Um, and then we said 100 was the number of official partners that we wanted to see at the end of uh, this coming year that uh, some churches offer membership. We call it partnership because we think that members pay fees to receive services, but we believe that partners share responsibility, and we want partners who are willing to help us work towards the goal and the mission that God has put before us. And so we want to see um, our partnership doubled in the course of the next year. Um, and then lastly, uh, we said 75 was the number of individuals that we want to go through and complete what we call our growth track. And we haven't done a great job of explaining what the growth track is, but essentially we have four classes that we have instituted to help people grow in their faith. And so we want people, 75 people at least, to complete the growth track in the next year. And so we've got this audacious goal, and uh, we're working towards something that seems pretty difficult. We're two and a half years old, um, and we're about half the size of what I've just um, explained to you that our goals would be. Uh, but we're saying... We want to be a church that does things differently so that we can experience different results. And so if we keep doing what we've been doing, we know that we'll keep getting the same results. And so we're going to just take some risks and take some steps of faith and, and go out there on a limb and, and be bold enough to say that we want our church to double. And we want you to be part of it and we want you to help us make it happen. And then today, I want to introduce you another number. Uh, not that I'm going back to that message, but I want to introduce one more number because it's important to lay groundwork for the message that I'm going to share with you today. And that number is two. That number is two. Um, and you may say, well, it's great to have goals to double, but, but how are you going to double? And we've got a fourfold plan by which uh, we're seeking to double our church, and I won't go into all the details. Um, but the number two beginning August 3rd is the number of worship experiences that we're going to offer here at Synergy. And so we're going to move from having one worship experience at 1030 to having two identical worship experiences at 9 and 11 a.m. Uh, so that we can provide more opportunities for people to engage with and in our church. I mean, it's just one strategy that we have uh, to help us prepare for growth, to help us sustain uh, the numbers that we need in our children's environments to be able to grow and double in the next year. And we're excited about this. Uh, but to be honest with you, the biggest, the biggest thing that makes people nervous about going to two worship experiences uh, really lies at the heart of the people who serve each week here at Synergy. Um, it takes a lot of work for us to pull off a worship experience, and there's a lot of people uh, that work hours each Sunday to make it happen. Um, and when I shared with our volunteers that we were going to two worship experiences, there was, there was a little bit of like a deep breath like, how is that going to happen? How's that going to happen? Um, because it's going to take more volunteers. We're going to need more people to join Team Synergy for us to effectively pull off worship experiences. Um, now, and, and let me say this before I jump into today's message, which kind of ties into this. Um, we don't have to do church the way we do church. 
Okay, you may have been to churches that um, don't go to some extents that we go to to try to create the types of environments that we type of that we try to create. Uh, first of all, um, they probably don't meet in a gym, uh, and so we don't have the luxury as a new church of having our own facility that's set up each and every week. Um, but we don't have to go through the trouble of doing everything that we do to try to create an engaging environment. Um, in fact, we could just like we could meet in homes. Um, and we could just accept being a small church and it would be a lot easier and it would require a lot less from people. But we feel like God's called us specifically to create these types of environments, uh, to go above and beyond to honor our guests so that when they walk in, something connects with them that the people of God in the church um, aren't what they thought the people of God in the church were that they actually love them, that they actually care for them, that it's actually friendly, that they go above and beyond to create an environment that's safe for them, that doesn't feel churchy, that allows them just to kind of sit back and investigate and ask questions uh, before being slammed over the head uh, with, with rules and regulations and expectations. And so while we don't have to do everything we do, we're passionate about doing what we do. In fact, we would love to do more than we do right now to create better engaging environments uh, from kids all the way through this adult auditorium. So with that being said, with that being said, there's going to be a lot more opportunities to serve here at Synergy in the next year. And our goal and our prayer is that we would see more people engage and more people take steps to begin serving to help us accomplish what God's called us to accomplish. Okay? Now, last thing I'll say, and then we'll jump into it. Every year, about this time, I try to preach a message, preach a sermon, um, and, and like just being transparent with you, the goal is that we would see more people volunteer, that we would not manipulate people, not guilt people into things. We want to inspire people to take a step to help us accomplish what God's called us to do by serving. We call that Team Synergies, our group of volunteers here. And so, so my goal today, okay, you can see my hand of cards, nothing to hide, is that I want you, I would love for all of you to serve faithfully here to help us do what God's called us to do. Okay, so with that foundation, with that groundwork, let me jump into today's statement that uh, hopefully is an encouragement to you by the time we're finished. And here's, here's, here's the first part of the statement that I want to introduce to us. Our church doesn't need anything from you. Our church does not need anything from you. You say, well, you just told me some needs that you have as a church that you're about to take some steps and you need more people to help do things. But, but I want to be very, very clear with you. Our church doesn't need anything from you. And you might not like how that feels. We all want to feel needed, right? Like we don't want to be insignificant. We don't want to be uh, the person in the crowd that, that it doesn't matter if they're there or not. We want to feel needed and we want to know that, that there's a need for us. But breaking news for you here, like if you didn't show up next week or the next week, or for the next year, or if you never showed up again, here's, here's what I believe in my heart, is we're still going to have church. Like if you never do anything, if you never engage and help, if you never 
even come back to this church again. My belief, I'm firm in this conviction, is that our church is still going to go on. And I'll take it a step further. If I never came back to this church, I feel like this church will go on. And I know some people would feel like this church wouldn't go on without the pastor. But God doesn't need us to do what he wants to do in the earth. He doesn't. Like he's God. He can do anything that he wants. And I know that you feel significant. I know that you're extremely important. And I know that without you, the world seemingly will stand still and stop spinning. But newsflash for me, for you, the world will go on without us. And for hundreds of years, for thousands of years, it has been. When you die, when I die, the world will go on, this church will go on, because I believe that God has ordained this church for this time in this community specifically. And it's going to happen. So, before you feel like I try to guilt you into doing something at this church, I want you to hear me clearly. Please don't do anything at this church because you feel guilty Because you feel like if you don't do something, then the church is just going to fall apart and we'll never make it. Um, It's just not true. Our church doesn't need anything from you. I know that's kind of harsh, but let let me kind of take you to where I want to take you today. Um, Our church doesn't have needs. Our church has opportunities. Okay? I believe fully that we have the greatest invitation from God. There's no greater invitation that we have to play a part, a significant part in his story in the earth through the local church. He doesn't need us. Like, he didn't need Moses to split the Red Sea. He, he didn't need Daniel to shut the mouth of the lion. He's God. He could have done it himself. He, he didn't need... Paul to write all the letters to communicate to us what he wanted because it would have gotten done if Paul chose not to play a part in God's story. But he gave them opportunities, and that excites me. He gave them opportunities to play a part in his story when he didn't even need them. Do you know what it's like when you have kids and your kids want to help you do something and you don't need them? I was, I was trimming some hedges at our yard yesterday, and my son loves to work in the yard, and honestly, him being there, it was hot outside, and I was ready to be done. Him being there was kind of getting in my way. I didn't need him. And part of me just wanted to say, Landon, go, go pull on your playset, just leave me alone, and I'll finish this. But what did I do? Because I loved him, and I saw his desire to help, I gave him an opportunity to help me trim shrubs. And if you come over to my house, you'll notice that there's a hole right in the front of the far left bush at our house and I just proudly say you know my son did it he tried he wanted to help and I gave him the opportunity I did not need him and God does not need me but the beautiful part about the story of God is that he invites us into his story and he allows us to carry out his will on the earth his ways on the earth he uses us when he doesn't need us that's incredible And in the church, in the local church, there are opportunities for you to serve, for you to get plugged in, for you to use your gifts, for you to use your talents, for you to give your time, for you to work hard, for you to work a little, 
for you to challenge yourself to commit to things that you never thought you would have committed to, not because you have to, and not because it won't get done if you don't, but because God invites you to do that. What an invitation to play a part in his story. It's unbelievable to me that God allows me each week to do what I get to do. There, listen, there are people in this room who know the Bible better than me. I'm not the smartest guy in the room. There are people in the room who are more talented than me, who could do what I do potentially better than me week in and week out. God doesn't need me. And even if they're not in the room, they're definitely in the world. I don't pretend to believe that I am like the center point of Synergy Church, that if something happens to me, the church is just going to crumble. This church doesn't revolve around me. Here's what I believe. And this is a culture that we try to create at Synergy, is that it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. I'm not needed. You're not needed. But we are invited to play a part in Jesus' story in the earth And we can make a significant difference. And God can use us in ways that we never dreamed of if we'll simply allow him to. And so today, my goal is to invite you to play a part in God's story here at Synergy Church. You may have been here for years. You may have been here for weeks. And you may have enjoyed a church that people faithfully created by serving. And you may have Never even felt the need, really, to get involved because it happens every week. And that's okay, because guess what? We don't need anything from you. Let me give you the rest of this statement. Our church doesn't need anything from you because we aim to provide something for you. It's not about what we need from you, it's about what we want for you. And we don't need anything from you, but... But our goal, our aim is to provide something for you. So let me give you a couple of scriptures and then I'm going to give you uh, some benefits to serving and hopefully inspire you and challenge you to commit to help us play a part in God's story. If you have a Bible, go with me to the book of Philippians chapter number two. Um, I was talking to someone earlier today about the importance as a leader of serving and people following you, but also the importance of allowing people that are following you to do things. I I think that's important. I think that it's easier for us sometimes just to do things on our own. We feel like it'll get done right. It'll get done in time. Uh, It's harder for us sometimes to give people opportunities to do other things. Uh, But I love that the Bible teaches us about a God who loved us enough to send his son Jesus to the earth and so, so God, the Son, God sent his Son to the earth, and he wasn't like this stuck-up prick that just demanded things of people. He, he wasn't. Like, sometimes I wonder if I was Jesus and God sent me from heaven down to earth, like, I wonder how I would have acted. If I was the most powerful person on all the earth, if I was God in flesh and I walked around, I felt like I would have been a little more arrogant than Jesus was. And I'd have been like, hey, you need to get to work. Like, you need to do that. You've got to... And he wasn't like that. Listen to what Paul says in this letter to Philippi in Philippians 2, 3 through 8. He gives us these instructions. 
He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you in the interest of others. That's a big deal. That's not natural, right? To look for the interest of others above ourselves. But that's what Paul tells us that we should do. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. Now, this is huge. We're instructed to have the mindset of Christ Jesus in our relationships with one another. And here's, here's the mindset of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Like Jesus could have come down here and just been the ultimate ruler and demanded things of people. But rather, he didn't use the fact that he was God to leverage things for himself. But he humbled himself. He became, he took on the nature of a servant. And being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. That even death on a cross is because the death on the cross was, was worse than most deaths. It was, it was a bad way to die. It was a Roman crucifixion. It was, it was punishment for the worst of the worst. And Jesus, Son of God, came to the earth, not to be like ruler beating his chest, but to humble himself and love you and I enough to die for us, even to death on a cross. And Paul tells us we're to have that same mindset. That's a pretty big instruction. That's a, it's a pretty big deal to have the mindset of Jesus. Like, he's God. I'm not. You're not. But we're instructed to have his mindset. And that means that we become a servant. That's his mindset. It doesn't change. He came to serve people. Listen to what John of Jesus' disciples said in, in John 13. I'm going to read verses 3 through 5, and then I'm going to jump over to verse number 12. Jesus was having a meal with his disciples, and uh, he does something that's, it didn't seem right in the moment, but listen to what Jesus does. Verse 3, it says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning from God. He knew, he understood that everything was under his power, okay? Most powerful person in the room, he knew it. Hey, that's me. Who's the most powerful person? Right here. I'm that guy. Now, you all are not as powerful as me. I understand that. I'm not sure if you do, but I do. I know, I'm that guy. That's where Jesus was. So, verse four, so in response to knowing he was the most powerful person in the room, listen to what he does. So, he got up from the mill, he took off his outer clothing, he wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Yeah, I'm the most powerful guy in the room. And his response to that reality was to serve his disciples in really what was considered a humiliating role. In that day, they wore sandals. They were open sandals. They would come into homes after traveling dusty roads, and their feet would be nasty. And the role of a servant was to honor those important 
by washing their feet. It wasn't like, hey, let me help you out a little bit. It was like a humiliating role. And Jesus, most powerful person in the room, you remember, humbled himself, became a servant, washed his disciples' feet. It was so out of place that Peter, one of his disciples, was just like, hey, you're not washing my feet. Like, this is not how this is going to work. And Jesus was like, uh, basically, yeah, you, you want me to wash your feet. And then he's like, well, man, wash my whole body if it's that important. And he's like, you just don't understand things. And it got complicated for a minute. But Jesus goes on to explain in verse 12. It says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. His place of what? Power. Most powerful person in the room. He had just humbled himself, became a servant. He comes back where people recognize him as the most powerful person in the room. And he says, do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I, God, most powerful person in the room, became a servant, and hey, you should too. You should too. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And now that you know these things, I love this, you'll be blessed if you do them. It's not enough to know it, but you'll be blessed if you do it. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to the earth in all of his power, not to prove how great he was by demanding things from people, but rather by serving them. And his words to you and his words to me are to follow in his example. And what greater way to do that than through the local church? What greater way to play a part in God's story than to find the vehicle that he is most passionate about in the earth, that his purpose is played out most in, and to serve there. We're not actually going to take people's shoes off, and you're not actually going to have to get water and wash their feet. I know some of you have this thing against feet. I understand it, okay? And we're not starting like the foot washing ministry. Though people do that, and that's significant to show things, I'm not opposed to that. But there are things that you are great at that God can use you to serve others through and it will play a part in his story. That's a big deal. It's got nothing to do with needing anything from you. It's got something to do with this aim, this, this, this purpose, this goal that we have to provide something for you. We're not telling you needs this morning. We're letting you know about some opportunities that you may not have known about to be able to get involved and serve one another and our guests and this community to make Jesus great by humbling yourself and being involved in that. It's a huge deal. It's a huge deal. So here's, here's what I'm going to do. And then, um, and then I'll stop talking if you especially feel like I'm trying to like guilt you in anything. I want to give you some benefits to serving. Seven benefits. Things you may not have known are benefits to serving. Hopefully today you'll walk away and say, I want to serve. Number one, because Jesus teaches me I should. But number two, because it's a pretty good deal. 
It's a pretty good deal. So here's, here's number one. Here's the first benefit to serving. Uh, serving gets remembered by God. Serving gets remembered by God. Let me read Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10 to you. It says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. He's not unjust. He'll remember when you help his people. When you serve others, God remembers that. Now, how many of you have had someone offend you? They've done something against you? And you've made the statement before, I'll forgive, but I won't forget. We have this tendency to not forget the bad in people. Like, I'll never forget it. I'll forgive you. I'll say I forgive you, if that's what I want to say, but I'll never forget. I'll never trust you again. I'm going to remember that. I know exactly what you did, and it's affected me. It's affected our relationship, and I'm not going to remember that. But how many times are we so ungrateful that we forget, like, the good that people do for us? We're like, oh, I forgot. I forgot how much they've done for me. You know, they've helped me so much, and, and I don't even, it's easy for us to remember the bad, and sometimes it's hard for us to remember the good, but God is the opposite. As much evil as we've done, if we ask God to forgive us, the Bible says that he never remembers our sins once they've been forgiven. He doesn't remember the bad, but he does remember the good. Isn't that great to know? That God's going to remember everything that you've done to serve people for the purposes of God? That's a big deal. If I feel like everyone in my life remembered all the good things, I feel like I've got a pretty good advantage that people are going to help me out in times of trouble. And knowing that God remembers when I served others is a huge deal. It's a huge benefit. He doesn't forget. Nothing that you will do to serve him in this church, in this world, will ever be forgotten by God. Huge deal. That's a great benefit. That's number one. Number two, serving reminds us of what God has done for us. Serving reminds us of what God has done for us. Listen to 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 24. But be sure to fear the Lord, your, but be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all of your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. You say, well, Bronson, why should I serve? Why should I get involved? Why should I do anything? My question should be, like, why shouldn't you? When you want to receive all that Jesus has done for you, shouldn't it make you want to do for others? Just remembering that. So every time that you serve in the church, in this world, it's a reminder of what God's done for you. You know? putting out a chair that someone's going to sit in and hear the gospel of Jesus may not sound appealing or attractive, but when you have the perspective of God did something, Jesus did something so, so much more devastating and hard and difficult and uncomfortable for me, man, I can put out a chair any day. And it just reminds me of God's faithfulness to me and what he's done. And I'm doing this out of an overflow of what he's done for me. It's a benefit. And when we serve, we're reminded of all that God's done for us. When we didn't deserve it, and when, when we shouldn't have received it, Jesus did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And we get the opportunity to do for others so that we can remember what Christ has done for us. Number three, 
Serving is honored by God. Serving is honored by God. John 12, 26. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Words of Jesus. My father, speaking of God the father in heaven, will honor the one who serves me. That's a promise for you. It's a promise for me. It's an opportunity for you to be honored by God, to have his hand of blessing upon your life, to know that he is for you and feel tangibly the blessings that he has for your life. If you serve Jesus, he says that his father will honor you. I don't know about you, but I like to be honored. Have you ever, you've been a part of a team or an organization or a classroom, you received a reward, someone called you out and said, you know, hey, Bronson has done something worth noting. Has that happened to you in your life? And you felt proud? Like you had that moment of like, hey, like, I am somebody. I did something. I did something for people to at least recognize it. And how much, how much better instead of a coach or a teacher or a parent, for it to be God that's recognizing you. It's incredible. I love it. God will honor you if you'll serve him. Number four, serving increases spiritual fervor. You want to be closer to God? You want to be more passionate for him? You got to serve. Romans 12, 11, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. It's through serving the Lord that we gain spiritual fervor, that we realize and grow in our faith and understand the importance of who we are in Jesus and what he's done for us and the impact that we can have on the world around him. It's through that serving, it's through our deeds, it's through our acts of service that we increase and maintain our spiritual fervor. So you sometimes feel dry and empty. You feel like you pray and your prayers don't go through the roof. You feel like, you feel like God's not really for you. And that's not the case. But we all go through those seasons, right? And the promise that we have here is that if you'll serve, it'll increase your spiritual vitality. It'll make you feel closer to God. You're not farther from God just because you don't feel as close to God. But when you serve, you begin to feel that, like, yeah. Man, I, love, I love Jesus. I love what I do. I'm not doing this because I have to. I'm doing it because I get to. This is incredible. Like, man, it's just an overflow of a heart that's in love with Jesus. Number five, serving makes you great in God's eyes. Serving makes you great in God's eyes. Matthew 23, 11. Simple statement, the greatest among you will be your servant. The greatest among you will be your servant. And I know this world has it backwards. And what we see as great in the world are people who have positions, and there's lots of people under them, and they feel like that position makes them great. And we all want to climb the ladder, we want to climb the rungs of success, and we want to sit on top because we feel like that's greatness. But Jesus says, if you want to be great, you've got to be a servant. In fact, the greatest among you is the servant. How can I be the greatest in this church? 
It's not by being talented. It's not by being recognized. It's by serving. And I just have this personal ambition in my life that I would love for God to think that I'm great. I would love it. For God not to look at me and think, you know, insignificant person, you know. But man, great. Look how he serves. Look how she serves. Look how they are tangibly doing what I've called them to do in this life. That's great in God's eyes. And it requires humbling yourself and serving others. And we've got opportunities for you to do that. Number six, serving makes you more like Christ. Serving makes you more like Christ. Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Every time you serve, you're becoming more like Christ. Because he didn't come to this earth to be served. He could have, and he had every right to. He could have demanded people serve him, but he didn't. His approach to life was to serve others. And every time we serve, we become more like him. Think about it. You can stand in a parking lot and try to put a smile on someone's face when they drive in for the first time on our campus and you're being like Jesus. You can change a diaper in a children's environment so that our children are well taken care of and they're safe and you're being like Jesus. You can put up curtains. How unspiritual is that? And you can be like Jesus. You can lead a small group and you can be like Jesus. You can load all of our gear out of this building and be like Jesus. You can set up things and be like Jesus. You can press buttons on a computer and put something on the screen and you can be like Jesus. You can run cables and plug them in somewhere and you're being like Jesus. You can help serve refreshments at the 10 after so that people connect, and you're being like Jesus. Lots of opportunities for you to be like Jesus around here. And our goal isn't to share with you the needs that we have and to say to you, listen, if you don't do this, we're not going to be able to make it. Please, we've got to have you. Like, things are just going to fall apart without you. We've got to have you. Like, we've got people who have been doing this for two and a half years, and they're getting tired, and I kind of feel like, you know, they don't want to do this much longer, and so we've got to have you so we can give them a break because things are just going to fall apart if you don't do it. It's a big deal. Please, please help us. Please help us. Please, we need you. Please. I mean, just do something. But we don't do that. Because we don't need anything from you. But we aim to provide something for you. That's an opportunity to be like Jesus. And you say, I don't, I don't, I don't buy into it. Setting up chairs is not a big deal. Until you set up the chair that someone sits in and you see them respond to the gospel message of Jesus and their eternity is forever changed because you set a chair out and you're like, it's a big deal now. I get it. I understand. I kind of I get it now. And that's being like Jesus. And number seven, none of the others were even attractive to you. Serving gets rewarded by God. Whatever you do, Colossians 3, 23 and 24, whatever you do, 
Work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. And every time you serve, you're storing up for yourself an inheritance, a treasure. And you may not experience it or receive it all. You might not get like filthy rich financially. You might not wear the nicest clothes or drive the nicest cars or have the biggest house. And you may not feel like you get a lot out of serving. In fact, you may be tired some days and you may not feel like doing it. You may have to force yourself to do it just because you said you would. But the truth that you can hold on to is there's a benefit to serving. That is you will be rewarded for it by God. And there's not a chair that you'll put out or a car that you'll park or a door that you'll open for a guest who's skeptical about coming to church, who's nervous about what people are going to say to them and treat them, and you're going to put a smile on their face and God's going to remember it and you're going to be rewarded one day. You're going to enter in heaven and God's going to say, here's your reward and you're going to be so grateful that you committed your life to serving, especially in the local church. There's benefits to serving. And here's what I want to end with. It's a simple invitation to you. This may be your first time at Synergy, or you may have been here for years, and you may love our church, or you may just come here because there's nowhere else that you'd like to go. I don't know where you're at. I need you just to hear this from me this morning. We, we don't need anything from you. And you are invited to continue attending this church. And we hope you love it. We hope that it's a blessing to you. And we hope that you leave inspired or encouraged or challenged or at least hopeful for life. But our aim is to provide something for you. And I believe that you're ministered to most when you're ministering to others. Because that's the heartbeat of Jesus. And when you serve, you're blessed in return. It's not about you. It's all about Jesus. So, on the back of your connection card this morning, there's some opportunities under where it says next steps for you to indicate some interest to serve. That's not all the opportunities that we have, but if you'll check any of those, we're going to get in touch with you. And we're going to help you take a step to take advantage of an opportunity to serve, specifically in this church, knowing that not only are you going to benefit from it, but our church is going to double because of it. I believe that. And I'm trusting that as more and more people engage in the mission of our church and help chip in to do what God's called us to do, that our church is going to begin growing. We're going to begin reaching more people because we've positioned ourselves to better serve more people who may attend here. We don't need anything from you, but we aim to provide something for you. Don't, don't think it's about what we want from you. It's about what we want for you. And we want you to benefit from living a life that God instructs you to live. That's to follow in his example. It's to humble yourself. It's to serve others. Across the board, from, from helping set up at 6 o'clock in the morning would probably be some people who you would feel like that's like the most committed people in this church. To staying after and helping load things out. To leading children's environments and engaging with kids in a context that helps them learn about Jesus. 
to being helpful on our guest services teams. There's opportunities for you to serve in this church. And my prayer, my hope, is that you will. Specifically, if you're not serving now, my challenge to you is to think about, to pray about, and even if you don't decide to do it today, maybe in the weeks to come, take a step and commit to joining a team and serving. And we would love to give you more information about that. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, thank you for the opportunities that we have to engage with your mission in the earth. And you don't need us. I know we feel important, but you don't need us. You could do everything you want to do just by speaking it. You created the entire universe with words of your mouth. You don't need us, but I'm so thankful that you have chosen to allow us to play a part in your story. And I'm willing to give my life to that. And I'm willing to serve that mission with everything that's in me. And I pray today that men, women, and students would take steps to begin serving specifically in this church. And I pray when they do, that you will reward them greatly and they would experience huge benefits from it. In Jesus' name, amen.